Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we took a day off. Not a whole heck of a lot has happened since last we were able to talk to our listeners, but we do know at least that uh, Dalton Reisner had a little bit of a parting message for Mm -hmm. John Elway as he left the Mile High City to go continue on his pre-draft trek. Yeah, I think you put it best, Chad, when you said it was Peyton Manning-esque in the sense of the way he delivered it to him. And it was a good way to put it. And that's the same personality that I saw at the Combine and Reisner. And that's what makes him such an appealing prospect is he has confidence and a quiet confidence, but he'll snap at you. He's one of those bears that he, when he's provoked enough, he'll attack. And he said at the Combine, I'm going to put people in the dirt. That's why I play the game. It'd be awesome to play for the Broncos. It would be awesome to play for a legend in Elway. But for any team who drafts me, that's what you're getting. I couldn't have been more impressed uh, with his personality at the Combine shot. For what it's worth, for our listeners who might not know what we're talking about, I won't read the whole quote, but here's what he said at the end. He goes, quote, I'm going to be able to put that helmet on and go play. And if it's not the Broncos, you know if I ever come visit, I'll make John Elway wish that he drafted me. That's for sure. Close quote. Mm. And that was kind of his parting message at the end of an interview. I love that, though. With uh, Darren McKee on the drive. Love it. I love what he's saying there. I mean, it's, it's confidence in his own ability, and obviously he wants to play for the Broncos, but he's saying, listen, I'll eventually make you pay. We're eventually going to meet each other if, if we don't draft me, and uh, good luck to you. It also tells me that he's a not only a fan of the game, which he he's clearly is, and he even said so in that interview that he grew up rooting for Jake Plummer and the Broncos, knows all about the Broncos, but he's a, he's a fan and a student of the game to know that story. I, I guarantee he didn't just pull that out of thin air. Right, like he's watched some NFL Network video, whatever it might be, or an ESPN feature in which Peyton Manning recapitulates the story of his pre-draft visit to the Indianapolis Colts, who had the number one pick, and he was competing with Ryan Leaf for the number one overall pick. Chargers had the second pick, and when Peyton Manning went to visit the Colts, he told the GM, he told the head coach there that if y'all don't draft me. I'm going to make it my mission to basically lay the smackdown on you every time we meet in the NFL. And uh, that made an impression 
on the Colts, and that kind of steered them and clarified their decision to say, you know what, we got to go with Manning. And it turned out, to, of course, to have been the right decision because Manning went on to forge a Hall of Fame career while Ryan Leaf went on to basically fizzle and burn within a two- or three-year window. Yeah, and that's what struck me, and that's what my anecdote says about Reisner, is that he genuinely, truly loves the game. He's not in it for the money, Chad. He's in it for the passion, and he he wants to be a, a great professional, and that's what he's willing to do with whoever drafts him. I like the fact that he wasn't trying to kiss up to Elway or trying to kiss up to the Broncos and trying to nudge them toward drafting him. He said, listen, I'd love to play for you, but if not, um, I know what I'm capable of. I mean, this is a guy, Chad— if the Broncos trade back in the first round, I don't want it at all. I don't want that scenario to unfold. But this is the only guy I think that I'd be comfortable trading back. That's how much he impressed me. Let me just read, because some fans wonder what happens on these you know, these 30 allotted visits that prospects get when they come to actually visit a team as opposed to a you know, couple of scouts flying to them and working them out. Here's what happens. This is the way Reisner described it. And I can't play the quote because it was on someone else's airwaves. But here's what he said. He goes, quote, the difference is you get to shake hands with the head coach. You get to talk to Fangio. You get to sit down with the general manager, John Elway. You get to sit down with the offensive line coach, Coach Munchak and Coach Cooper. You get in-depth and you start talking ball. These guys want to know, one, they want to know what type of guy you are. They want to see your character. Do you know football? Do you love football? It's a process. You get to sit down with everyone across the staff. You get around some of the players. You get to tour the facility. The most important thing is, though, with your position coach, I would say. I know that they don't have the final call on draft day. I know that's more of a general manager head coach. But getting in front of an offensive line coach and showing them how much you know about football, that's extremely important. And not only that, but watching film with them, seeing how coachable you are. They're going to show bad plays. They want to see. Are you going to blame your guard? Are you going to blame your head coach for calling the wrong play? Or are you going to own up and realize that you can't be perfect? Close quote. Which is interesting because he said that they did not work him out in terms of what you expect. You know, let's see what you can do. Running through some drills on the field, Zach. It was all interpersonal, getting to know him, how much he loves football, testing his IQ. And how great is that for him getting to, you know, chew film with Mike Munchak, the best OL coach in the business. Yep. He's also familiar with Chris Cooper. They caught up at the Combine. It would be a dream scenario both in terms of fit and, you know, coming back to being home and everything like that. I just – I always prefer guys who, who truly love the game down to their bones and are not just in it for an ulterior motive for money or fame or whatever. Riser's one of those guys, and, and to me his stock is surging at this point. And he's a three-year captain. From Kansas State, he was made named a team captain at 19 years old, which is something he said that he, of course, takes tremendous pride in. But, you know, the way I closed that report on the actual written article was basically that, you know, he went into the combine. He was very impressive in his interviews, I'm sure, because he was a dynamic freaking just a force of nature at the podium. So I can only imagine that everyone he meets with, he impresses. But... Yeah. He didn't test well athletically on the field, or at least as well as some draft Knicks expected him to. And so he kind of devolves back into that trust the tape type of prospect because if, you, if you're questioning some of his athletic ability, just go back, watch the tape, and then combine that with all of the intangibles. And we know that the Broncos, you know, they, they kind of didn't about face this time last year and prioritized team captains, leaders, high football IQ guys, people – who are passionate about football, and that's a, those are all boxes Dalton Reisner checks easily. 
trust the tape and trust your coaches. And Mike Munchak being there, again, is a feather in his cap. He mentioned the fact that they don't get to make those calls, the positional guys. Well, in the Broncos' case, Mike Munchak will actually have a lot of influence on draft day. So if he gives Reisner that good of a of a blessing, that much of a blessing, Elway will listen. So if there's anything working in his favor, it's having these coaches in Denver. And that's also why Elway did so well to land Munchak, not as a head coach, Chad, but as an OL coach. So the Broncos hold the 41st pick overall in uh, the second round. I think their best hope of getting Reisner, you already said, you know, maybe trading back into the end of the first round. Yep. That might be a little too rich, though, for an offensive lineman when you could maybe get some other guys who fit this scheme. I mean, we'll see how the board falls for guys like Chris Lindstrom, Garrett Bradbury, Eric McCoy. But Reisner's right up there. And if he's there at pick 41, I don't see the Broncos – passing on him so we'll see we'll see how it shakes out but we do have a lot more to get to in today's show but first we got to just take care of a couple of quick matters of business as always guys make sure you're following the show on twitter at huddle up pod easy to do open up the app on your phone or pull it up on your browser find at huddle up pod click the follow button as you know it's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time and also another call to action we got to do it each and every episode. Our goal for the Huddle Up podcast is to reach 200 reviews on iTunes before the NFL draft kicks off on April 25th. You're the only ones who can make that happen. We need your help. So if you listen to the show on iTunes and you haven't taken the, the time to leave a creative review, just get that done for us. It'll only take you a minute or two. You leave one or two sentences telling us what you think of the show and then give us a five-star rating. And if it's not a five-star rating, Zach and I can live with it. We'll look at ourselves in the mirror, come to terms with our shortcomings and failures, and we'll come right back at you. So it's okay. If it's not five stars, it's all good is what I'm getting at. But give us that review, you guys. And for those of you who have done so, we thank you. And especially those who have done so who don't even listen on iTunes and maybe didn't even have an iTunes account. There's several reviews on there, Zach, of people who've gone in just heeding the call to action, trying to help the show, who've gone in and created an account with iTunes, downloaded the app so they get in there, leave their review, and rate the show. It's huge. All right, so. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Let us talk about what's happened in the day or so since last we were able to talk to you guys. So first off, Derek Wolf was made available to the media on Tuesday, and he stood up at the podium. And of course, Zach, we always love hearing from Derek Wolf because <laughs> he just tells it like it is, right? He always good for a quote. Absolutely. And he doesn't butter it up. He just, you know, it's the bitter truth. And sometimes it is bitter. And uh, I thought it was interesting right off the bat he talked about Vic Fangio and 
basically the the difference. He he didn't bring up Vance Joseph, obviously, but he talked about the difference that a real head coach, like a a competent head coach, should make for a team like the Broncos, who were just a couple years of you know off of coming uh, or winning a championship, and now they're kind of listing. They need that guy. Peyton Manning retired, et cetera. Here's what Derek Wolf said real quick, and then we'll analyze it. You know, I think Vic's the, the perfect you – know, I said this before, that that's the kind of guy that this team needs. You know, uh, anytime you come off of a championship run like we made, you know, we had you know, four great years with Peyton Manning. And when Peyton's around, he's a leader. He runs the show in the entire building, it seems like. So once you lose a guy like that, there's a space that needs to be filled that just – you know, a head coach usually fills that job. And, uh, you know, that's not an easy thing to ask of, of anybody. So, you know, a guy like Vic, he comes in and uh, he's a no-nonsense, old-school type of guy You know, still likes to have fun. But, you know, it's, he's the kind of guy you just respect him. You know, just, he's, got, he's got the resume to respect. So, you know, he, he just demands that respect right away when he walks in a room. All right, Zach. So, to me, I just kind of read between the lines in terms of the implications of what that really meant. It's kind of an indictment for Vance Joseph. But it's also really encouraging to see – what type of impression Vic Fangio was already making on the on the players? It's a major indictment on Vance Joseph, and it also kind of furthers the picture that Bradley Chubb painted last week, Chad, when he said that players were showing up a minute before meetings, and now they showed up about five minutes before meetings. So it's already that culture change. It's also an indictment on the quarterbacking and the leadership skills there, or lack thereof, with Case Keenum and Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch the last couple of years. Obviously, they haven't been the same team since Peyton Manning. Obviously, the sport goes as the quarterback goes, and the Broncos have not had that yet. And that's why it's so big that they put all their chips in Joe Flacco's basket. They were really counting on him to be not, you know, just an on-field presence, but also a leader and that Peyton Manning type. And if you're putting Peyton Manning expectations on 34-year-old Joe Flacco, I hope Derek Wolf now for 2019 has his expectations just a little more in check. The next thing he talked about was something that was kind of bothering me last week because we talked about, we all kind of made a big deal about how Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and everyone's talking about how guys are showing up five minutes early instead of just getting in the door at the top of the hour for meetings and how great of a sign that is. And it is. I mean, it is. It's a good sign. Obviously, everyone right now is on point. They're showing up trying to make a good impression. Everybody's motivated. They're fresh. It's a new season. And all of that is true. But two things can be true at the same time. And one of those things is is that, as, as Derek Wolf said, and we'll play the quote, it's easy to be on time this time of year. Here's here's what he right. said really quick. Yeah, I mean just it, just human nature, man. This is a a 16 week season. It's not just 16 weeks, you know, it starts in April. You know, so it becomes a grind. So, you know, we a lot of people have been talking about how, you know, we everybody's 5 minutes early to meetings and that happens every year. You know, whenever you first show up, everybody shows up 5 minutes early the first couple weeks. But what happens in week 16? when everybody's beat to hell and nobody feels like being around this building and we're all sick and tired of each other, are you still showing up five minutes early? That's when it counts. All right, Zach. So <laughs> I love Derek Wolf. He's, he's telling it like it is. And that was something that actually occurred to me last week as everyone was talking about this. Didn't want to bring it up just because I didn't want to cast a negative Paul on kind of the positivity that's been coming out of Dove Valley. But what were your thoughts on that? He is absolutely 100% correct. It's like any new employee at a company, Chad, your first couple days there, you are on your best behavior. You are getting your boss coffee. You are doing everything you can to assimilate and, and, and become part of that culture. And that's what these players are doing after two years of Vance Joseph. So now in April, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're showing up to a meeting. And that was Vic Fangio's first meeting. But he's right. 
What's going to happen when they go through adversity? What's going to happen when they go through a losing streak? That's the true test. That's where the fibers of the team either you know stay together or come unglued. In the last couple of years, we know what happened. Um, it, it's I've even written this that at this point, a lot of these things are fluff. It's just that point in the offseason. Every team right now is 0-0. Zero and zero. Every team right now is aspiring to win a title next year. The Broncos are no different. It's more encouraging, yes. The Broncos have more of an adult leader, yes. But like I've been saying, I want to see what happens in September and not want to hear what's happening right now in April. Yeah. What I like about it is there does, and I, I think it's a little bit more. Here's what I'll say. It's a little bit more than just the spirit of it being a new year. There's a little bit more of a feeling of urgency, and I like that. And my hope, speaking to what Wolf is is really getting at there, is that this new coaching staff and hopefully the leaders on the team can find a way to keep that in, that intensity and that urgency alive throughout the duration of the season. And it is a grind. I mean, it's a 16-week season, man, and it beats the, the living snot out of these guys. And if you're not uh, conducting yourself as a professional, if players aren't keeping each other accountable, holding each other accountable, and if coaches are asleep at the wheel – you end up at six and ten. You end up five and eleven, like we've seen from the Broncos the last two seasons. But Zach, I really do believe that with Vic Fangio and the staff that he's built, and some of these players who you know were just entering their prime when the Broncos won a Super Bowl, who are now kind of trailing off towards the end of their prime, they know that time is short. We've talked about on this podcast many times the idea or the concept of players like Von Miller and Chris Harris, but Derek Wolf included, wasting their prime years amidst this this turnstile of head coaches in Denver and quarterbacks just rotating, you know, through the the mile high city. And so I hope that, cause it's not just the coaches, the coaches, you know, they set the tone, but the players have to keep each other, hold each other accountable and really carry this. I mean, they're the ones that play the game. They're the ones that are out there on the grass, executing, winning, losing ball games. So I just hope Zach, that this sense of urgency and the intensity that everyone seems to feel right now, even though it's intensity in terms of the weight room and classroom and just passion for being back at the, at the office, so to speak, I hope they can carry that forward throughout the duration of the season. It's a great, great point you bring up, Chad. And for a player like Derek Wolf, who is on that, that SB50 squad, how many of his teammates has he seen get cut, traded, released, unceremoniously dumped? He knows better than anyone after taking a haircut. This is a business, and he knows his time is precious. He knows deep down he's even lucky to be around for this year with the Broncos, that they're welcoming him back and then move on. So um, everyone on the current Broncos locker room knows that it's a, it's a running clock. Everyone knows the NFL. It's what have you done for me lately? And he knows if he doesn't perform, um, he's not going to you know be around much longer. That said, Vic Fangio was the right call. Vic Fangio so far is proving that he will be the right man for the job. I believe he will be the Broncos head coach for a very long time. I believe he will get the Broncos back to prominence very soon. But it's not going to be without adversity. It's not going to be without bumps on the road. And like Wolf said, I want to see how the team responds and the coaches respond when when the you-know-what hits the fan. There's a few other things Wolf said that uh, I definitely want to address before we move on to some of what Royce Freeman had to say. But before we do, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so let's also talk about Derek Wolf's uh, forecast, if you will, for the remainder of his career. Now, obviously, he was a second-round pick of, of Denver's back in 2012, so he's starting to get up there. He, you can maybe still say he's in his prime, but if he is, he's on the tail end, especially for guys who play at the point of attack. But he feels like a new man since having that neck uh, surgery a year ago. He feels like it took five years uh, off of his 
his career, so to speak, in a good way, like he's five years younger. Here's what he said really quick about whether he foresees playing the rest of his career in Denver. I, I, that's what I want. I want to be a Bronco for life. You know, that's why I signed that signed the deal I did last time. And, uh, you know, the Broncos have been good to me. So if I play good, then they'll be good to me again. And I could finish my career here and I don't really want to live anywhere else. So, All right, Zach. So, you know, he's made it pretty clear throughout his talking points when this question or topic has come up in different stages in the past. He wants to finish his career in Denver. Pretty sure his wife is from Denver. He's got a kid on the way. He won a Super Bowl in Denver. He's a pretty, you can tell, Derek Wolf's a loyal dude, okay? We'll talk more about that loyalty here in just a minute when he brings up Chris Harris, you know, absenting himself from the proceedings at OTAs. But he's a loyal guy. He wants to remain a Bronco for life. The question is, to me, Zach, can his play hold up? Can he stay healthy? Can his play hold up at a high enough quality where John Elway feels the, the need to get him extended for another two or three years? It was a nice way of saying, give me a new contract because he's entering a walk year, Chad, and he's entering his age 29 campaign. So that 30-year-old mark, he's getting to be over the wrong side of that soon. And he knows, like I said earlier, his time in his prime is ticking. Five years would be ideal, and it would be ideal, obviously, for him to retire a Bronco. But how many players, Chad, have done that? How many homegrown Broncos have stayed with the team and retired with them? It seems like it's exceedingly rare. And I love Wolf as a player, and I think he's good when he's on the field. He's just not consistently on the field enough for my liking. Five years from now, if he puts in 16-game seasons, sure, I can see it. Based on his history, though, I just don't know if he'll hold up five games, let alone five years. Yeah. I mean, last year, in fairness, he played all 16 for the Broncos, and this was after he had had that, that freeing neck surgery that made him feel five years younger. But the year before that, he missed five games. The year before that, he missed two games. The year before that, all 16. You can keep going. The year before that, he missed four or five games. So he, he's struggled. But a lot of those struggles, Zach, have been due to that neck injury. So here's to hoping that with that in his rear view, he can continue to play well and stay on the field. But I want to get back to – we'll talk about what he said specifically regarding his feeling on Chris Harris. Um, not, let's not call it holding out, but not being at OTAs and sending a message to Elway. But – He's in the same situation, basically, as Chris Harris. He's in a contract year, and his future's in the wind. I mean, he doesn't know what's going to happen post-2019, and yet he didn't hold out, or he chose to show up and do the work. And so the attending media on that day asked him, hey, so you decided to attend. What's what's up with that? And here's what he said really quick. Oh, to hold out? Yeah. That's just not my style, man. That's just that's just not my style. Everybody's got their own style, man. I just... I just it's not that I don't think that it's okay to do that. It's just not something that I, that I would ever do. So, you know, we'll talk again about what he said about Chris Harris specifically. But, Zach, again, this goes back to what I was trying to say that, you know what, Derek Wolf is a stand-up dude. And I'm not saying Chris Harris isn't. But he takes his contract extremely seriously. He's under contract for this year, so he's there. He's also a very loyal guy. I think if you're a personal friend of Derek Wolf, that's a guy who's got your back. To, for the rest of your life and, and same for his family. And, and so that's just the type of dude he is. He's going to show up. He's going to follow through. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. That's just not his style to skip out on something. And I give him credit because he's been through such harrowing injuries, Chad, including that neck injury, which almost ended his career. He couldn't feel his arms. I mean, it was scary. And he hasn't said so much as a, as a peep. 
He's gone through treatment and recovery, and he's been a good teammate, a good soldier. But that's everyone in the Broncos locker room. I have not heard any player come out and say, you know what? He doesn't deserve a new deal. Don't pay him. I mean, Harris is beloved in and outside of Denver, and it's it's a travesty that he's being jerked along by the Broncos right now. So I'm not surprised that Wolf will come out and say that, but it's encouraging that they still have those those players, those leaders that believe in team on the roster, those good locker room presence guys. You can never have enough of them. Yeah, let's uh, just for the sake of posterity, let's play the clip of what Wolf said specifically about Harris choosing not to show up. Here's what he said, real quick. Chris is one of the he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, so. You know, I think he deserves to get paid, and he deserves to do whatever he feels is right for himself. You know, it's uh, you know, he already did his you know discount deal, so it's time for him to to get his money, and that's how he feels. So, I can, I think everybody can relate to that, right? You know, you have a short uh, time span in this league, so you have to earn as much as you can, especially if you take a discount on that first deal. And you know, it's not like we didn't make enough money to take care of ourselves for the rest of our life. You know, so. You know, to me, you know, he's just he's just trying to make that get that so he can like live an even better lifestyle than he already his plans on. So and he's, got a, he's got a lot of kids. So. <laughs> so we know that Chris Zach is he is he's one just like Wolf said, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And yet I think he's the, the if I'm remembering this right, he's either the 22nd or 23rd highest paid corner. So that means there's either 21 or 22 cornerbacks in the NFL that are making more money than him. And not better than him, though. They're not. I mean, there's no better nickel corner in the league. I mean, all due respect to Bryce Callahan, who's an up-and-comer, there's no better nickel corner. And even taking away the nickel aspect as an outside corner, just on that aspect on its own merit, Chris Harris is still a top-ten cornerback in this league. And so what I fear is, I've said this before, it's bothered me a little bit that the Broncos are not taking care of business. They're saying all the things publicly that, yeah, we're going to look at that. It's something we want to look at. You know, we're going to get through free agency was the first thing, right? We're going to get through free agency. Now it's we're going to get through the draft. And what I worry is the message that's sending to Chris Harris, Zach, is we're going to see if we can maybe find your replacement in the Mm -hmm. draft. And uh, if we can't, you know, we'll probably look at resigning you. If we can, you know, this is what you get. You're playing your last deal in Denver. I hope that's not what happens, and I hope that's not literally what's being talked about at Dove Valley, but the Broncos need to pay Chris Harris Jr. They also added three cornerbacks this year, Chad, So it's like, and they, and they paid two guys over $50 million combined. What message does that send? I mean, if I was Harris, I'd be pissed too, honestly. I mean, you're paying guys that are new to the team, new to the system, um, haven't been as proven as decorated. I'm here, a homegrown guy, an undrafted free agent. I've been nothing but loyal. I've played for cheap. I've made Pro Bowls. I've won Super Bowls. I've been all pro, and I have to hold out. I mean, it's ridiculous. You have to reward your own. It's beyond just appeasing one guy. It's appeasing the whole team. It's sending the right message that if you perform well, you will get rewarded. We will take care of you. You don't want to become that general manager who doesn't pay his players. They want to go get paid elsewhere. They want to go, you know, be in a better environment. That's not what Elway should do. I mean, to me, it's just a no-brainer. The only thing I could think of, Chad, waiting for after the draft is maybe he wants to trade down in the first round that would lessen the, the the rookie cap that he has to work with. They don't have much cap space now. I can't think of it though. If he takes a corner early, that would pretty much seal Harris's fate. I would think. Uh, if he yeah. waits, though, we just don't know. I just think you can't go into the season letting him be a lame duck. There's no way that should happen. And if they did draft a corner in the top three rounds, I think you're seeing Chris Harris Jr. get traded before the season because yeah. he'll demand it. I honestly think that because, as you said, I mean, 
the evidence is piling up. You know, you sign two corners to big money deals in free agency, and then you add the best corner in the AAF. And then you, in, the, in this scenario, then you draft a corner in rounds one, two, or three. I mean, and, and yet here I am asking for a new deal. Here I am asking for clarity on my future with the team. And you're working around that hedging against, you know, my, my career, basically. So y'all don't love me. Y'all don't want me anymore beyond 2019. Trade me. And we've seen players in, in the very recent past from especially those two guys in Pittsburgh make some massive power plays and get what they wanted. Now, I hope that's not what happens. But this is the risk that, that Elway runs by not taking care of business. And, yeah, the Broncos are low on cap space, Zach, but there are so many ways to manipulate the cap. You know, there's there's so many ways to – I mean, even if they're short on cash right this second, they can defer bonuses down the road to when they have more cash. And they can structure contracts in a way where the cap hits are deferred over years into the future. So there's so many different ways in which the Broncos could accommodate Chris Harris, and yet they're allowing this drama to build up. I just don't like it. And the thing is, if they extended him, they can actually free up cap space by converting his salary to a signing bonus. So it doesn't make sense. They have Mike Sullivan, arguably the best cap whiz in the entire NFL. He's deserving. It's just something that has to get done. The only thing that scares me, Chad, I, I thought of this the other day, Elway's comments about Matt Paradis and that fibula fracture, that's the reason they didn't pay him. Yeah. Well, Harris is coming off kind of the same injury, and they're letting him also kind of test the waters too. So maybe Elway is just is scared by that injury. Maybe he thinks he's damaged goods. Maybe he doesn't want a player going, pay a player going on 30. I don't know. But this is one decision this offseason that I am firmly against with Elway is not paying uh, one of your best players. It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, too, though, I mean, Aqib Tlaib had some injury history and was pretty close to 30 when the Broncos paid him that big deal back in 2014. So I still I don't want to alarm Broncos country and, you know, put on the tinfoil hat and go down the rabbit hole, so to speak. I think this is something that gets done. But but what we're trying to say here on the show tonight is that the longer Elway lets this thing drag out, the more negative momentum he allows it to build. And you can never guess which way those things are going, how feelings can get hurt, how you know guys can stick their foot in the ground. And you just don't know how it's going to happen. So hopefully that works out. And I think it will. Zach, I still think these guys are going to find a way to get Chris Harris extended and keep him in Denver. I think so, too. I think it'll happen shortly after the draft. He'll finally give him what he deserves. But it doesn't send a good message, even if they sign him, Chad, that they have to let him twist in the wind this long to finally get what he deserves and what he should have gotten years ago. And guess who's coming up soon for a new contract? Von Miller. I mean, that should be pretty fun. Indeed. And if, you know, if it's any consolation, if we think back, Elway let Brandon Marshall kind of twist in the wind until late July following the Super Bowl before he gave him an extension. And we all know how it played out with Von Miller. I mean, they, it went all through the summer before they finally agreed to terms and got him locked down. So maybe that's just the way Elway likes to do it. He likes to have all his cards on the table, be able to scope out all his dominoes before he hashes out new contracts. So we can only hope that that's what this particular situation calls for. Now, let's move on really quick. Royce Freeman, he's a man of few words. But let's just touch on, I think there's really two things to take away, mainly to talk, talk about on the podcast. One is he did confirm, obviously, that he really wasn't fully healthy, Zach, down the stretch. And I think anyone who has a pair of eyeballs and has watched football at all could tell that Royce Freeman was not the same player from Week 11 on that he was the first half of the season, and he confirmed that. But fortunately, the offseason has allowed him the time to, to get his ankle right. 
And by the time he hits the field again, I think he's going to be a force of nature. And that's why there was such concern, Chad, when we learned that it was a high ankle sprain, because those things linger for weeks. I mean, they're those and hamstrings are the two toughest position, two toughest uh, injuries to rehab. Excuse me. And it did. It, he was never the same after that. He came back to be that that early down that banger behind Philip Lindsay, but he didn't have that burst. He didn't have that same wiggle. And he's not a fastback by any means, but not having your ankle, not being able to cut properly, it definitely impacted him. But this year, I mean, the tables have turned. Now Lindsay's laid up and Freeman's healthy, and he's going to be the RB one for however long Phillips out. And I think there's still um, enough, obviously enough talent there for him to be the starter. But he's talking, Chad, like he has a big chip on his shoulder now. He knows that he has a lot more to prove. He was a third-round draft pick. He lost his job to an undrafted guy who made the Pro Bowl. He still wants to show he can be a dominant force in this backfield, and that's good for the Broncos' offense. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I mean, I know Lindsey did have that great season and he made the Pro Bowl, but I don't think he's going to be grandfathered a starting job. I really don't. Just because of the nature of the running back position, I think it's going to be a competition again, even if it's not – you know, a public talking point like, you know, Team Paxton, Team Trevor, it's not going to necessarily be like that. But I think the Broncos are going to make them compete again this year. And really, it's a nominal. We said this even when the season started last year, Zach, that yes, Royce Freeman is the starter, but let's face it, it's a nominal job in, the, in that it's in name only because they're basically sharing the touches, which pretty close to 50-50 and the snaps, which is how it played out before he got hurt. And then the team officially passed the torch to Philip Lindsay to be the starter. And he started his first game, I think it was, week 11 was Philip Lindsay's first career start. So I think they're going to compete. I don't think that, especially with it's a new coaching staff, got to prove yourself all over again. Lindsay finished the season on IR. Both of them got hurt last year. And I think that, you know, it's not that Lindsay's going to have to fully reprove himself, but even Lindsay has said that publicly already this offseason that he's fully prepared and fully realizes that here comes a new coaching staff. I'm going to have to prove myself again. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think the Broncos were wary already about Lindsey being the workhorse. And that wrist injury just kind of cemented yeah. their decision. Exactly. And, they, you know, he's not that type of player. And that's why they drafted a guy in the third round. They have Devontae Booker, who's still capable. So between those three guys, you have a better offensive line, a better quarterback. They're going to be a run-first offense, and Scangarello will get all three backs involved. So I agree with you, Chad. Lindsey is not cemented as the RB1 right away. Uh, Lin, uh, Freeman will have his touches too. And as long as Curtis Modkins remains, which obviously that was one of the great decisions Vic Fangio made, was keeping the running backs coach who just got so much out of all three players. I mean, all three guys just outkicked their coverage last season. And even Booker looked like a completely new and different player. So Modkins will keep this this ship afloat, even if the injury bug strikes, which it so often does with running backs. Now, with regard to the chip, so to speak, of seeing Philip Lindsay have so much individual success, while and really it didn't take off for Lindsay until Freeman went down. There was that three-game per, uh, period from week 11, 12, and 13. And if fans can think back, that was with those three games after the bye that the Broncos got back into the conversation. You know, three consecutive wins, and it was on the back of Philip Lindsay, who averaged over 100 yards rushing in each one of those three wins. But pretty soon what happened? The league adjusted. They figured out that there was a combination of the league adjusting, figuring out that the entire offense flowed through Philip Lindsay, and then the only thing that gave him a little wiggle room was Emmanuel Sanders. And once he went down, it was curtains. They stacked the box. Cortland Sutton couldn't you know, consistently win off the, off the snap. 
and and beat his guy off press coverage. So they just loaded the box, played press coverage, and the combination of Case Keenum and the lack of tight end help, the inexperienced nature of the wide receiving core, it all just came home to roost for the Broncos, and they backed completely out of the season, lost whatever it was, uh, two or three games, and that was it. So the Denver Broncos, you know, moving forward, Zach, I think that the Broncos are going to hedge their, just like you said, they his size, Lindsey's, is... He's just not set to be the 20, 25 carry a guy or a game guy. You know, yeah. you need Royce Freeman there to pound the rock. And for what it's worth, and this is the other thing I want to talk about with Freeman, he says publicly he was happy to see Philip Lindsay have that success. And I won't play the quote because, again, he's, you know, it's a pretty short one. But basically what he said to paraphrase him is that, you know what, that's not the type of person I am. I always want to see my brothers succeed. And he, quote, earned it. And Zach, there's no doubt about it. As, as Freeman said, Lindsey played fierce and competitively. They worked together to help each other be better when they were on the field and on the sideline together. And I believe him when he says that he was happy to see Philip Lindsey get that recognition because he did deserve it. Yeah, I don't think he'd say anything else, but they are good friends and it's good competition there. But what people are forgetting is as great as Lindsey was last year before Freeman's injury, he was playing pretty good too. I mean, a lot of Broncos fans wanted to see more of him, more of Royce Freeman, more of the running game. And uh, Lindsey came out of nowhere. He, Lindsey deserved, and I agree with Freeman, he deserved to have the RB1 spot last year, far and away. I mean, he was a pro bowler. But he does not deserve to have this spot this year without any competition. And I think Freeman knows that, and he knows he'll get his, his touches. He knows he can maybe surpass him. He knows Lindsey's laid up, and I love it. I mean, the more competition, the better. It can only make the Broncos better collectively. Now, before we get out of here, let's just talk really quick about some of the buzz that's come out the last 24 hours, we'll say, regarding Josh Rosen. Now, again, the the Cardinals, all signs point to them bailing on the Josh Rosen pick from a year ago. He was taken number 10 overall by the Cardinals and going with Kyler Murray at number one to pair with Cliff Kingsbury and let the air raid reign supreme in Arizona. They got a deal Josh Rosen first. And even though we've known for a long time that Josh Rosen and John Elway, just for whatever reason, they didn't jive, Elway had the chance to take Rosen at pick five last year, passed on him, and took Bradley Chubb. But that was Zach when Rosen would have cost a a number five pick. And I can understand if Elway wasn't completely and over the moon impressed by Rosen to say, look, I have a top five pick. I got to protect. I'm not 100% convinced. I'm going a different direction. But now, one year later, where Rosen could be had possibly for a second or third round pick, I don't understand why the Broncos would not entertain that as a conversation. And I wrote that on Wednesday, just as kind of a a column type of analysis piece, opinion piece. And then a report came out Wednesday, or excuse me, I wrote that on Tuesday, and then a report came out Wednesday, Zach, from James Palmer, who basically said that the Denver Broncos, at least for now, and things could change, but for now, they are not interested in Josh Rosen. Uh, yeah, there's two camps. That's the Broncos fans who want Elway to do anything to, to trade for Rosen or give up anything except a first-rounder or go nowhere near him. I happen to fall in the latter camp. 
Elway was supposedly turned off by Rosen's personality. He had a chance to draft him. Obviously, he didn't like him that much. You, you've seen what he can do in the NFL. I worry that Rosen also kind of has that that David Carr syndrome, Chad, where he was had such a bad rookie year that he's psychologically messed up now and he damaged goods. I might be over-exaggerating that, but I just would rather, if they're going to get a quarterback prospect, use that second or third rounder on a guy who we haven't seen in the NFL yet, a guy who you've already scouted, you've preferably met with, you've, you've been impressed with, you feel you can groom. So if they're going to use that draft capital, instead of trading it for a guy who's has all his expectations on him now, being a former first-round pick, losing his job more than likely to a number one draft pick, being traded after his, his rookie year, I wouldn't want that guy. I don't want the baggage that you know accompanies it. I'd rather the Broncos just go in this draft, either spend their first-round pick on a guy like Drew Locke or come away in the second or third rounder with a Stidham or a Greer or whatever. To me, though, I'm just it's just my opinion, my preference. Yeah. I wouldn't go, go near Rosen at all. And that's where definitely we disagree because I see – and listen, I understand the concerns with Rosen even before he was picked. I understand the, the personality comparisons to Jay Cutler in some ways. But I, I, he was my quarterback, too, last year. I was pining. I was hoping after Baker Mayfield went one and Sam Darnold went three, I was hoping that the Broncos were going to take Josh Rosen at five. And obviously they didn't. He was my quarterback, too. And so obviously I understand the concern that he, he kind of went through hell his rookie year on a total dumpster fire of a roster, was getting beat up. But he showed – I mean, he's a very polished pocket passer – He's. Uh, I think he has the potential still, and I understand it's it's going to hurt him. And this is probably what Elway's thinking. If he really is not even entertaining the idea of checking in on what this is going to would cost to get Rosen, it probably has something to do with not only what you know he encountered with Rosen before last season's draft, but also the fact that he's a former quarterback himself, and he knows how important confidence is, and he knows how important just that feeling that your team is behind you and that the team has full f- faith in you and all, how important that is for the development of a young quarterback, especially a first-round quarterback. And to be taken in the top 10 and just one year later dealt, I mean, there's probably not a lot of grown men who play quarterback in the world who can handle that. You know, it's going to affect them somehow. There are people who can be impervious to it, I believe, and I, I'm sure – it's within the realm of possible that Rosen is one of those guys, but I can understand how you could doubt or how Elway could doubt that, you know what, I got to worry about giving up probably a high round pick, second or third round pick, third, at, you know, well, second in the worst case scenario, but, and then getting this kid in here and having to re- rehab him basically emotionally and rebuild him and repair him. And you just don't know which direction that's going to go. But from a pure, a pure football perspective, he is a, he is a very talented quarterback. He would be the best quarterback the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning if they if they acquired him. He's a great player. I'm still very high on Rosen, but at the same time, I'm under no illusions that it doesn't look like the Broncos have really any interest in connecting those dots. Um, Chad, what does that say, though, the best quarterback since Peyton? So he's better than Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Case Keenum? I mean, it's not a really high bar. And what about Elway's ego here? He's already known as a guy who can't draft a quarterback to save his life or develop one. He already traded for Flacco. He wants to be the GM that just picks up everyone else's trash now and just trades for quarterbacks. 
I just I, I can't see it. I don't see it. And I'm not surprised now with the draft getting closer that there is that team floated speculation that they're not interested in them right now for that price. I mean, yeah. for a first rounder, no. Uh, second rounder, I don't think so. Maybe a third rounder. But ultimately, I think he'll invest that pick in the draft and get his own guy who he's already scouted personally. I don't want to flog the horse to death, but if we look at this, I mean, that's really been more of Elway's M.O., where he's more comfortable is on the trading block. I mean, he tried to acquire Case Keenum from the Rams back in 2017 or 16. He tried to acquire Tyrod Taylor. Didn't work out via trade. Obviously ended up getting Keenum as a free agent. Acquired Joe Flacco via trade. I think that's what makes him more comfortable, honestly, than investing a high-round pick or a first-round pick, let's say. But in this case, I don't think there's enough connection for Elway with Rosen to follow suit I just don't think for whatever reason he doesn't see it and he doesn't like the personality rubbed him wrong for and probably one of the reasons too Zach if we're, if I'm being honest is Elway's kind of a he's kind of a well he's a big time Republican right he's mm-hmm. a he's a right winger he's a MAGA type of guy <laughs> and uh, Josh Rosen is the exact inverse opposite of that he's he's left-leaning liberal type of dude he was very vocal publicly about his political leanings and that probably rubs Elway wrong as well very California-ish very you know left-leaning and yeah it definitely it plays a part and you're right Elway is a big Republican we all know um his donations and stuff like that we're not going to get into that but yeah I I just I don't see him making two trades this offseason for two different quarterbacks two different cast-offs it just does not send a good message that you can't develop a quarterback. And to your point, Chad, about trading, to me, though, it just changes things when it's a quarterback. It just it just is a whole different ballgame. I mean, you can trade for a corner or a pass rusher or a receiver, but a quarterback makes everything go around. And he hasn't had the best luck. So um, I, I'm, I just I don't see it, and I, I would not go anywhere near Josh Rosen. We haven't talked a lot about this topic because neither one of us have seen it as any kind of real possibility. And even though I spitballed it in the written piece – James Palmer pretty much put this thing to bed. So yeah. it is it is what it is, but it's fun to debate, and it's fun to spitball. But you know what? We're running long. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We will be back tomorrow for Friday's VIP mailbag. So you Mile High Huddle VIPs, go over to 247sports.com slash Denver Broncos and become a VIP. If you're not, if you are a VIP, I dropped a thread in the forums, MHH Insiders, asking for your questions for the mailbag. So hit that, and uh, we will address them on tomorrow's show. In the meantime, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Have a great night. Have a great day, whoever's listening, wherever you're listening. We'll be back tomorrow in the saddle for the VIP mailbag. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.